0: welcome to the case for safety podcast our conversations with safety experts aim to share ideas and insights you can use to help your organization benefit from efforts to improve worker safety and health i'm your host scott fowler fall protection equipment serves an important role in protecting workers at height a key to keeping workers safe is inspecting that equipment prior to you to ensure that it is in proper working order Here with me to discuss the steps you can take to help ensure fall protection equipment is safe for your workers when operating at height is Marjorie Anderson. Marjorie is a certified safety professional with 25 years of safety experience, including training, construction safety, design review, and hazard communication. Marjorie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Great to have you. So uh, as we start, uh, as I, I touched on this a little bit at the top, but I thought we could start by talking about... Why, uh, the importance of inspecting fall protection equipment uh, before it's used to ensure the workers can operate safely when they're working at height. So why is inspecting fall protection equipment so important to developing an effective fall protection program?
1: I would say um, it's, it's not just important, it is key. Um, inspections ensure that all of the equipment that an employee is going to be using in any task requiring fall protection is in good shape, it's clean, it's defect free, and therefore it will be able to support any fall, thus saving you know the person uh, using the equipment from death and possibly serious permanent injury.
0: Okay, great, that's uh, some some really good points. Now I thought to, to kind of lay a little more of the groundwork, um, talking about what you know why inspecting is so important i thought we could talk about some specific types of fall protection equipment that workers may come across uh on different work sites so what are some of the different types of equipment workers may, workers may encounter and how do you, those pieces of equipment help keep them safe
1: well that's uh there's a lot of it <laughs> actually um i'd say from a, wor- a worker standpoint and speaking of what i'll say is personal protective equipment. Um, The biggest thing are your body harnesses, full body harnesses. They're the largest piece of the personal equipment. Uh, They're worn such that there are D-rings positioned in such a way as to provide the best and least injurious impact to the body of a user should they go through a fall. They'll connect via the D-rings on the harnesses to lifelines, discrete anchorages, Or other fall protection systems and it is important to note that the harness must be fitted to the user in order to provide certain and maximum protection Um, ordering straight from a catalog is not a good idea and most vendors should be willing to come on site Mm -hmm. to fit employees so that they get the proper protection Um, and as I just mentioned D-rings you find these D-rings on these body harnesses they can be uh, a d-ring on the dorsal side um, between your shoulder blades on your back uh, they can be on the front uh, next to your sternum or they can actually be on the sides for what are called positioning systems so what used to commonly be used in as opposed to d-rings are Things more like eye bolts that are used for rigging. Um, These are not good. They will not allow the capacity for the fall, 5,000 pounds, to be maintained along the entire um, ring of the eye. So a D ring, what they have found is much, much safer because that 5,000 pounds uh, load capacity can be maintained along that entire arch as a person is moving around and the position of the lanyard may change. Let's see, uh, snap hooks. Uh, snap hooks are simply a means of connecting to a fall protection system. Uh, they must be locking to prevent lanyards and ropes from rolling out of the clip that allows the snap hook to connect. And these like D-rings have, also have to have a 5,000 pound load capacity. Uh, Another big part are lanyards. Lanyards are means by which the user can can connect their harness to the fall protection system, whether that be a horizontal lifeline, a vertical lifeline, or a track system or a discrete anchorage. Lanyards can be a variety of lengths, although six feet appears to be the most common. Uh, We've actually found that If you want something longer or shorter you have to specifically search for that because not all vendors will carry them. Um, It's important to know what your users will be doing and where they need to access when choosing the proper length of the lanyard. These also must have a 5,000 pound load capacity. These are also more easily damaged through abrasion when used on uh, stone or other rough materials, rough surfaces. So it's important to have some protection laid over the leading edge when personnel are not working directly on the roof or other elevated platform when they're working over that leading edge. Now from a system standpoint, uh, what they would encounter are lifelines, both horizontal and vertical. Horizontal lifelines are such as wire rope, that feed through anchorage installed on surfaces that can support either a 5,000 pound load or the design load. Um, and that gets into a nuance in the OSHA standards and what load capacities are required when a system is designed by a qualified engineer. They must be kept taut in order to avoid any kinds of sagging and damage to the lines and therefore uh avoid providing an increased fall distance if the person goes over the roof. Um, They protect the user as a second means of fall protection. Uh, Vertical lifelines, I mean, I'm sorry, are connected to anchorages that follow vertically over the leading edge and they protect the user as a second means of fall protection, such as when working on a swing stage scaffold used by window washers. And in the case that the scaffold might fail, the user will be attached to the fall protection still via the vertical lifeline using a rope grab, which grabs when it reaches a certain point and uh, will prevent the user from falling with the scaffold. And the last thing I would mention as far as equipment is um, some of the newer systems that are actually track systems. And these actually, some are now available, designed to support not simply a person tied back for fall protection, but also a swing stage scaffold at the same time tied to the same system. And don't ask me to explain the engineering behind that. That's not in my expertise. But they're very good systems. They're engineered to provide the dual protection in the sense that the worker is prevented from falling even when the scaffold falls, just like using a vertical lifeline, even though they're tied back to that same system. Tracks will also allow more fluid movement for users as they're continuous. And they often are engineered with uh, pass-through capability to allow a trolley-type um, hookup device to move along the track without needing the user to unhook and re-hook when they move along a work surface or a roof, thus providing uh, closer to 100% safety protection and more consistent safety and protection for the user.
0: Okay, great. Now, uh, you touched on this uh, a little bit with the last question, but with these uh, different pieces of fall protection equipment, what are the most important things for, you know, safety professionals and end users to look for in these pieces of equipment before they're used on a work site to ensure that, you know, once once the worker, is, you know, is, is up on a roof uh, working at height, that that piece of equipment is, you know, going to do what it's supposed to do?
1: Well, first of all, fit. If your full body harness does not fit you properly, when you go through that fall, the impact is going to have greater harm on your body. So you want to make sure that it fits properly. And when you're doing an inspection, make sure that when you put it on every time, it is properly fit and you're able to adjust strapping and so forth to make sure that the fit is proper. Uh, You want to worry about compatibility of components. You don't want to necessarily buy your D-rings from one vendor or manufacturer, your harness from another, your lanyards from another, and assume that everything's going to work together with a system designed by somebody else. That compatibility can be important just to make sure that they're functioning properly as a system. Um, Because that's how manufacturers design these things, is to all that stuff work together. You want to look for damage and wear, uh, anything like scratches, uh, even minor corrosion or rust, dents, bulges, tears, fraying, um, wearing away, even of information on the tags and equipment, anything at all, uh, you'd want to look for that because that can mean that your equipment may not provide you the protection that you think it will due to the wear or the damage. Uh, Mm -hmm. You want to look for unusual markings. For example, um, writing on lanyards that was not placed there by the manufacturer, out of service tags, anything that indicates a change has been made that will affect the usability of the equipment. Um, For example, um, chemicals are probably one of the the biggest things. If there's a chemical stain of some sort on, say, a lanyard, that's probably something you want to be careful about using because it may not protect you well. You don't know what damage the chemical could have done because you probably don't know what the chemical was. You want to look for cleanliness. Mm. That's extremely important. Grit, dirt, soot. Uh, Again, chemical markings, anything that covers up manufacturer tags or that might interfere with the action of the equipment or that shows it was not stored properly, because all of that can affect the protection factors in the equipment. And finally, the um, manufacturer replacement requirements. Even something that has been sitting In a bag, properly stored, never removed from the original wrapping, will still lose its usefulness over time through aging. So you want to make sure that you keep things current and um, in good shape.
0: Okay, great. Now, um, it seems like a, a big piece of this is communicating with the workers on what they need to look for in, in terms of uh, any kind of wear defects, things like that. So what have you found to be the best methods for training workers on properly inspecting their equipment?
1: I have found that it has absolutely got to be hands-on training and experience. Sitting somebody down with a trainer um, that doesn't do... A critique of the user's inspection techniques um, won't assure that the user is trained well because people will miss things if they're reading it themselves or miss things in lectures when they're trying to take notes. If they're doing it hands-on, the trainer, by watching them do it, can make sure that they're using a good thorough technique And it also ensures much better than lecture and reading that the user grasps and understands what they are to do and why so that they don't um, overlook anything when they're alone in the field.
0: Okay. Now, uh, along, along those same kind of lines, what advice would you give safety professionals on communicating with workers about inspecting and using the equipment properly in order to stay safe when they're working at height?
1: Oh, I could give several bits of advice here. (laughs) Um, First, vet your trainer. Make sure they're using the hands-on practice as part of the training, that they require the users to bring their own equipment to the training and practice with that in their inspections, and that they understand the requirements of not only OSHA, but also the trainer, I mean. Understands the requirements of not only OSHA, but also the ANSI standards because ANSI is going to provide you with much more information such as on equipment testing. And ANSI is also kept much more up to date and will be more timely information. So I recommend making sure your trainer can use both standards and train on both of them. Second, I strongly advise involve your employees. Ask them what they do that will require the use of fall protection and how they do these tasks. Uh, get their input into what will work best for them for their jobs and have them talk to your design team when you're putting together a fall protection system. It does no good to install protection that employees end up not being able to use properly. I, I've seen situations where uh, people need fall protection to get to, say, um a valve on a pipeline along a ceiling, but there's so many conduits and other pipes there, they can't even get a ladder up there properly, much less something safe like a scaffold or an aerial lift. So if your design team doesn't think of those things, you're not helping your employees. You're actually making things worse for them. Ask your employees to also participate in your training development so that your company's sites and equipment can be the focus and employees interest will be kept during the training, training. The, the training your employees take, you know, you should attend the same classes. And finally, I would say it is imperative overall for a good fall protection program that nothing is done in a vacuum, your employees and how they work are your best sources of information in developing policy procedure training and a design of the systems you have to remember you don't do their job your employees do the job and while you may know the standards inside and out if you don't know the work you don't have a basis for a good fall protection program or at least not a good one that your employees will be able to consistently uh, utilize it's imperative too for a good system design that the designer Is more than simply a structural or mechanical engineer because fall protection has many nuances that must be understood by the designers and this takes experience and above all a willingness to listen to the end user as well as anything else in in your system uh, may fail you if they don't do that Uh, it's just I found it invaluable that the employees be involved in the program development the training development and the system design it's really the best way to do it
0: that's that's great advice and a lot of a lot of great things for uh safety professionals uh to keep in mind as they develop and improve their programs Uh, anything else you'd like to add about uh, developing a good uh, fall protection program as we as we wrap up
1: well i would Actually, yes, I recommend um, as safety professionals if fall protection is something you need to be concerned with in your workplace and well, probably most workplaces, you will have to be concerned with it. Keep up on what's happening with the ANSI standards. These standards are updated frequently and the people that I have encountered that work on those ANSI standards, are incredibly knowledgeable in the fall protection field and just do a fantastic job. So it is really in your best interest to make sure you keep up on that ANSI information.
0: Absolutely. That's uh, great work. The Z359 committee and so many other committees are, are doing to, to keep uh, to keep updating those standards. So we've got the latest, the latest best practices. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much again, Marjorie, uh, for coming on. I hope uh, everybody takes our conversation today and thinks about how they can uh, use it to uh, improve their fall protection program. So thank you again.
1: Well, you're welcome. And it's been great talking with you.
0: Great talking with you as well. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Case for Safety podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us at ASSP.org and follow us on Twitter at ASSP Safety. We'll see you next time.